catch that, uh, we're really, really, really excited because we have like 10 staff now in our 1,000 square feet of offices, and it's really, really small. So the good things are happening with the warehouse space, and uh, we just wanted to keep you guys updated on all of that. Here's a need-to-know date for you two weeks from right now, Sunday, um, September the 23rd. In the evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to be having a complete informational and vision meeting about the warehouse space and really talking through the, the logistics of once we occupy the space, then what that means, because we've got some build-out and some things to do by way of decor and decorating and all of that to get it next level ready um, here by mm-hmm, the first. So uh, anyway, so September the 23rd is the night that you need to know about, and um, we're going to be sharing everything then and, and talking through so many of those details. So if you're involved at Next Level in any place, in any ministry, in any anywhere across the Next Level family, we want you there. Uh, if you want to be involved in the process of helping us to build out this thing, if you can paint, if you can make lunch, if you can um, build stages, if you can do any of those crazy things like that that are just going to have to get done in any way, shape, or form, small or big, it doesn't matter, um, skill or no skill, we want as many people to be involved in the process of building out this warehouse space as we possibly can. So two weeks from tonight, uh, September the 23rd, 6 o'clock is the information on that, and that's what you need to know. Well, it is good to be with all of you this morning um, back, and uh, I'll talk more about that of last weekend where I was here after a while, but uh, this morning early I was able to go down to Summit Church. Um, which is just a sister church in our community that uh, those guys are knocking it out of the park down on Ben Hill Griffin. And today was their first Sunday in their brand new facility. And they were celebrating four years, uh, their four-year anniversary. And so I just went down there early, was a part of their 9 o'clock early service, and just high-five those guys and let them know that we're standing with them and celebrating with them. So you guys, we want you to know that we believe God is up to something huge here all across Southwest Florida in so many churches. And we just counted an absolute privilege to be able to partner with with so many of our other churches across this, across this whole community to see every man, woman, and child impacted for the glory of God. And so just kind of wanted to impact or uh, update you on that and just kind of let you know that we're not alone in this pursuit, that there are some great churches across our community, and we just love being a part of what God is doing. Come on, can somebody say that's right? Awesome. Well, last week we began this series that we're calling Moving Forward. And um, the idea is uh, that life is moving forward, isn't it? That's the, that's the straight-up reality. Fall's a great time um, for us to, to become aware of that. Of course, the football season is already in full swing. Today is week one um, of the pro football season, week two of the college football. So things are moving forward. There are TV shows. The, the premiere weeks are coming here in just a couple of weeks. And school priorities, anybody with school-aged children, you know that um, school is, is in full swing again. And, and so life is moving forward. As we mentioned, as a church... We're moving forward um, now just being a few weeks away from occupying this brand new warehouse space that's going to so enhance um, what God is doing here at Next Level Church in ways that I don't even think we can comprehend yet. It's just amazing. So, so Pastor Scott kicked off this series last week that we're calling Moving Forward. And the whole premise for the entire series is the idea that nothing in life stays the same, that movement is a staple of life. But here's a distinction that I want us to make this morning as we turn to the Word of God. And it's this, everything has movement in life. All across our world, you can see that everything has movement, but not everything is moving forward. So the key for us, the question for us as followers of Jesus, is to determine how we generate movement in the right direction in our lives. It's not just enough to have movement. That we've got to have movement in the right direction. Now I've got a confession to make this morning, um, and that is this. I am horrible at directions. 
I was raised, and this is hard for me, because I was raised in a home with my dad, who was like a traveling salesman. And so he was in a new city every week, and, and just always growing up, I kind of knew that my dad was really good at directions. And so, of course, I'm thinking that the mantle, you know, has fallen on me, the double portion, and I'm going to be good. Well, before we moved to Fort Myers five and a half years ago, we, um, my wife and I traveled nationally doing national youth ministry all across the country. And about two years into that whole deal, I realized I stink at directions. Uh, No, I'm serious. I'm horrible. My wife is like, when are you just going to own up to the fact that you're not good at this? I love you too, baby. And so I I finally, I did. Before we moved here, I'm just like, you know what? No, I I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm I'm so bad at directions. About six weeks ago, we had a church planner from Orlando come down and spend a couple days with my wife and I. We were giving him directions to our house. He got lost. I'm that bad at directions. I can't even tell you how to get to my house. I'm horrible. Really, really horrible. It's ridiculous. So, see, here's the thing that I, I want us to, to grab a hold of this morning as we, as we step out into part two of this Moving Forward series. And it's this. Just like for me, it's very easy for me to get headed in the wrong direction when I travel and I'm driving somewhere. I'm just not very good at it. In the same way, it's easy for us to get headed in the wrong direction in life too, isn't it? It doesn't take too much commotion. It doesn't take too much chaos in our life to get us turned upside down in our thinking in our lives, does it? A new job opportunity gets us thinking about leaving our old job. A new romance captures our attention and instantly our minds begin to drift. A new hobby starts chipping away at our discretionary time. There are a million things that cry out for our attention every single day, aren't there? And see, here's, here's what I want us to talk about for the next few minutes. If you and I don't learn how to settle some big issues early on in our life, then we'll end up like a wind-up car. Do you ever remember those wind-up cars when you were a kid and, you know, you'd crank them up and then you'd, like, sit them down on the floor and they'd be like, poof, and they'd go like it's, what, did you see that? The carpet moved. It's like Surf City up here. Cue the beach boy. You don't care. You remember the, the wind-up cars? And you'd wind them up, and they just like they go, vroom, boom, and they go as fast as they could in one direction until they hit a wall, and then they bounce off, and then they land on their wheels, and then they go, and they hit, and then they go another direction. Right? Well, some of us, whether we like to admit it or not, we live our life that way, don't we? That we're, we live like a little wind-up car, and we're just like we get the newest thing, or the newest opportunity, or the newest relationship, or the newest whatever, and we're just like we go full tilt until we hit a wall. We kind of crash and burn a little bit, but somehow we land on our feet, and then we turn a different direction, and then we go full tilt till we hit the next wall. And see, here's the premise of, of what I want us to talk about this morning is this. Life moves fast, and we better make sure that we're headed in the right direction. If it's true that God wants us to move forward, to be moving forward in our life, then we've got to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. In fact, Jesus actually talked about this and, and shed some insight on this idea in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Look at what it says. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. If you don't, it's okay. The verses are on the screen. Look at what Jesus says. He says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit 
his soul. In other words, Jesus is saying that if we're not careful, we can actually end up gaining the whole world or moving fast in every direction in our life. But at the end of the day, our soul is weary and tired and compromised. It's possible to gain the whole world, to be moving as fast as we can, but not necessarily moving forward. So how do we avoid that? How can you and I safeguard our life to make sure that our approach is way more intentional than that? How do you and I stay focused and headed in the right direction? Well, this morning, if if you open up your bulletin there on the left side, you'll see that there's a place for for some message notes. If you want to jot some things down, I've got a a few thoughts that I want to share with us this morning on moving forward in the right direction. Moving forward in the right direction, number one, I think we've got to recognize that every day is a trade-off. We've got to recognize that every single day of our life is a trade-off. In business, it's called an opportunity cost. That if we pursue this deal, then we miss out on these, these other deals. If we allocate funds in this direction, then we won't have the funds for that other project. If we focus our manpower in this direction toward this priority, then we won't have enough manpower for this other priority. See, this is what I think Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 8. Look at the verse again. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And then he asks us a question. Look at this question. He says, and what will a man give in exchange? Another word that we would use in our vernacular these days is the word trade. And what will a man or a woman, a person, give in trade or exchange for their soul? In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Check this out. Every single day, you and I are making trade we trade our lives our souls jesus said for something so let me ask you a question think about the last 24 hours from 10 44 yesterday morning what'd you trade your life for what'd you trade the last 24 hours of your life for some of us traded it for a round of golf hopefully you did did better than i did (laughs) i didn't play some of us traded our life for some time with our kids some of us traded our life for another day at the office see every 24 hours jesus says we're trading our life for something What is it that we're trading our life for? When I was a little kid, I used to collect baseball cards. And my buddy growing up, Adam and I, every summer would save our money all summer long. And then toward the end of the summer, about mid-August, we would ride our bikes all the way into town. And we wouldn't buy just a few packs of baseball cards. We'd buy a box of baseball cards. And and each one of us, we had saved it. It would cost like 20 bucks, I think, back then. And you could get like, I think, like 36 wax packs. Anybody remember wax packs, baseball cards? Yeah. They actually had chewing gum in there. I know, I know. Crazy thought. And so we would we'd go to the, we'd ride our bikes into town. We'd get these boxes of baseball cards. We'd throw them in our backpacks. And we would ride all the way back to his house. We'd park our bikes in his garage. We'd run upstairs to his bedroom. We'd shut the door and we'd lock it. I guess we thought maybe his mom was going to steal our cards. I don't know. And we'd lock his bedroom door and we would sit down on the floor. And all afternoon long, 
we'd open up a, a wax pack of baseball cards, and we'd stick the gum in our mouth, and we'd look through these cards, and then we'd open up another one, stick the gum in our mouth, and look at these, and by the end you're like, oh, you're like choking on the gum, but you're like, I will eat all the gum, because if you keep it, it gets really hard. It was really hard anyway, but we had an excuse, and the door was locked. Ha ha! You can't keep us from rotting our teeth. So, We'd spend all afternoon opening up our baseball cards. And then, once they were all open, we'd start trading. And I can remember, man, spending hours in my buddy's bedroom just trading this baseball card for those two and trading this one and that one. There was, in the late 80s, the Mets had a shortstop um, named Kevin Elster. And he was in his rookie year, like in 88 or 89. And I can remember getting Kevin Elster cards and, and for some reason thinking, this guy, he's going to be awesome. And so I spent the whole summer trading to get Kevin Elster cards. I mean, I had page after page after page of Kevin Elster cards. Well, I don't know whatever happened to Kevin Elster. <laughs> I think he spent a few weeks in the big leagues, and that was about it. But I traded away some good cards for Kevin Elster. Bro, you let me down. If you're listening online, Kevin... Call me. <laughs> I need to know what happened to your career. So much promise. I was 10. So, <laughs> and see, life is the same way, isn't it? Every single day, we've got to recognize that today is a trade-off. Today, I will trade my life for something. And the question for us that I think we've got to consider and ask as we move through this Moving Forward series is this, what are we trading our souls and our lives for? Is it what God wants us to be trading our lives for? Is it worth it? Is it, is it everything we hoped it would be? Can you hear the Switchfoot song? This is your life. Are you Number two, we got to wreck. <laughs> yes, I took my pill. Number two, <clears throat> we got to recognize that every day good challenge is best. Every day, I think if we're going to move forward in the right direction in our lives, then we've got to recognize that every single day good will challenge best in our lives. If it's true, which I believe to what Jesus said is right, that every single day you and I trade our lives for something, then it is so essential that we are trading our lives for the best thing in our life and not just good things that come along. And there's an amazing story about this in the Bible, and I want us to look at this. In Luke chapter 10, um, Jesus is talking, and, and we're looking into Jesus' life, and, and I want us to see what happens here because Jesus interacts with two women named Mary and Martha, and I want you to see this because I think this principle of this idea that, that every single day the good in our life challenges the best things of our life. Check this out. Jesus talks about this. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So basically, here's what's going on. Jesus goes to this lady's house. Martha opens up her home so that Jesus can come in and teach and, and be with them and fellowship and, and relate with them. But Martha had a sister, Mary, and it, it tells us that Mary just, when Jesus came in and started to talk and teach and sat down, that Mary just sat down on his feet. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? 
Tell her to, her to help me. So Martha's getting a little miffed right here. She's like, wait a second. We invite Jesus to our home. He comes in. And my sister's just going to lay around. She's just going to sit at his feet. And I've got all these preparations. I've got all this work to do. I've got all this stuff in my life going on. Jesus, d- d- deal with her. Do something about her. Look what Jesus says, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. Look at this. But few things are needed. Or indeed, look at this. Only one. Jesus says, listen, there's a lot of good going on around this house. But there's only one best thing in this moment. Look, Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this. Listen, every day there are a million good preparations to get distracted with. But the more difficult thing in our lives is to choose the best thing, which which is Jesus says is yielding and submitting to Him, is sitting at His feet. He says that's the best thing we can do is steal away for a moment in time and just sit at the feet of Jesus and be still and study His Word and pray and seek Him. He says, that's the best thing. How often do we rush past an opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet because of the pressure of life as we know it? And I know what you're thinking. I know in environments like this, you kind of spar with the communicator and you're sitting there and I'll say something and in your mind you're kind of pushing back. And that's cool. We we welcome that. And I I know what you're probably thinking. Well, that's easy for you to say, bro, because you're a professional Christian. You get paid to study the Bible. But all the rest of us have to work, and I love this, real job. You're right, this is pretty unreal. (laughs) i got to be honest with you. Just because I work in a church doesn't mean that this comes any easier for me or my staff. This is tough. We don't hold ourselves up in an ivory tower. There's a lot to do. There's a lot that has to get done. Our product is people. And in a lot of ways, that's a lot harder than widgets. And so, believe me when I say, I'm I'm not preaching to you this morning, I'm preaching to us. Myself included, to, to to the mother of small children, you know how hard it is. This seems like an impossibility, doesn't it? To steal away just for a few minutes, to sit at Jesus' feet, you're like, yeah, right. To the successful business person or the successful saleswoman, you're thinking, yeah, right, bro. Do you know the pressure that's on me? I'm commission only. To each one of us, Jesus would say every single day there are moments of opportunity where we have a chance to sit at His feet and choose the best over all of the other good. See, I think if we're going to move forward in our lives in the right direction, knowing that movement is inevitable... But the choice for us to move forward in the right direction is up to us. 
then I think we've got to come to a place where we recognize that every single day we are trading our life for something. And every single day, good will challenge best. Number three, I think we've got to recognize the big rocks and put those in first. Number three, how do we get moving forward in the right direction? We've got to recognize the big rocks. We've got to put them in first. We've all, uh, most of us have probably heard the story of the professor who wanted to, to illustrate and teach his class a, 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 a message about time management. And so he's in front of his class one day and he pulls out the big jar and he sits it on the thing and he says, guys, we're going to, you know, we're going to fill this jar. And so he reaches under his desk and he pulls out four big rocks and he sticks those in and it fills all the way up to the top. And he asks the class, you know, is the jar full? And they're all like, yeah, the jar is full. And he reaches under his desk and he pulls out a, a, a jar of pea, pea gravel and he pours it in and the pea gravel goes all around the big rocks and it fills it all the way up to the top. And he says, is the jar full? Well, now they're catching on to him. And, and so about half the class says yes. And he reaches down and he grabs a bucket of sand and he pours the sand in and the sand filters down through the pea gravel and over the big rocks and it goes all the way until he fills all the way up to the top and he says, is the jar full? And they're like, no. And he says, that's right. And he reaches down and he picks up a bucket of water. He pours the water in and the water goes down and the sand soaks up the water until it goes all the way to the top. And he looks at that and he says, okay, now what's the illustration of time management here? The class pauses and they're looking at the jar and one kid in the back gets courage and he raises his hand and he says, the, the message of time management here, the moral of the story is... is Whenever you think your life is full, get creative, you can always get more in. And the professor says, no. The message of the illustration, the moral of the story, is if you're going to put the big rocks in, then you better put them in first. And it's true, isn't it? It's so true. Do you realize there there are really two times a year that people really reconsider their priorities. One is New Year's, which is why we have New Year's resolutions, because it's us reconsidering our priorities moving into a new year. The other is, is where we find ourselves right now in the calendar. This back-to-school zone, this, this fall time of summer ending, kicking into the fall, moving forward, and people are considering their priorities. They're, gonna, they're asking the question, what's going to be most important to me and my family this fall? What's going to be most important? What are the big rocks that I'm going to put in my life and make sure are in there? So here's the question for us. Is God? Is God a big rock in your life? Is, is God's house? Are we going to prioritize God's house and being a part of, of what God is doing in a local church setting like this one or another one across our community? Are we going to prioritize? Is that doing life in a connection group like Pastor Scott was talking about earlier? We do believe that true life change happens in a small group context, and yet every single one of us, again, can push back right now and go, bro, where in my jar am I going to put life in a small group? How is that going to happen? Do you realize the sacrifices I'm going to have to make in order for that big rock to be in my jar? Yes. We're probably going to have to scoop out a lot of pea gravel and sand in order to make room for a small group in our life. But can I challenge you as your pastor today? I believe it is impossible for us to become everything God wants us to become if the only time we're meeting with God is on Sunday morning in a large group setting. We just can't become all the... That's like eating one meal a week. It's like eating your big Sunday afternoon dinner and, and then just nothing else. It's the consistency over a period of time. It's it's a small group setting where true life change 
happens. Is it hard? Yes. Is it, is it difficult? Yes. Do you have to move schedules? Yes. Do you have to get creative? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Just ask so many people across the Next Level family who are involved in a small group, and they'll tell you it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth digging out some pea gravel and sand so that we can do life deeply with others of like precious faith. It's worth it. Jesus had this to say about this idea of big rocks. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness or His right way of living life. He said, If you'll seek that first, if you'll put that big rock in first, look what he says, All these other things will be added to you. I'll take care of the pea gravel and the sand. That if you'll put God as your big rock and His priorities for your life, His right way of living life, His right priorities for you, if you'll put those big rocks in, Jesus said, I'll take care of all of the pea gravel and all of the sand in your life. So the question for us is, are we doing that? Are we prioritizing God? Is He a big rock in our life or is He just more pea gravel? See, some of us, I think, we've got to cross this line in our heart. We've got to cross over this line in our hearts. Some of us, we've been playing games. We've, been, we've been, we got just enough pea gravel in our life to think that we're, we're doing all right. Can I challenge you today? And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I believe I'm, this is, I feel strong in my heart about this. We've got to quit messing around. God wants to be the big rock of our life. Step across, put him in first, and you will be amazed at how he takes care of all of that other stuff. So if we're going to move forward in our life and get headed in the right direction, then number one, we've got to recognize that every day is a trade-off. Number two, we've got to recognize that every day good challenge is best. Number three, we've got to recognize the big rocks and put them in first. And final thought this morning, number four, we've got to determine the not for sales in our life. We've got to determine the not for sales in our life. If we're going to move forward and become everything God wants for us to become as individuals, as family, and as the family of God, as a church, then we've got to determine the not for sales in our life. I grew up um, in Indiana, and my mom took my brother and I to a lot of garage sales as a kid when I was 8, 9, 10 years of age. I don't know if it was a lot, but it sure did seem like a lot to us. It was probably like twice, but you know. And I can remember going to a garage sale one time and walking through all the rows, you know, and the tables and the deal and the stuff is stacked up and there's little tape, you know, and they wrote the price on and the whole thing and it's all there. But then around the edge of the garage was this other stuff. And again, I can remember being eight, nine, ten years of age, something like that, and seeing these other things pushed against the wall. And they, the lady had made a handwritten sign that said, not for sale, and taped it on it. And as a kid, I can remember thinking, okay, that is so valuable to them that they took the time to make out a handwritten sign to tape on it. But it's not so valuable that they took it in the house. I'm like, what's going on? Am I... Am I the only one living in this world? Here's the thing. Apparently, that stuff stacked on the side of the garage was of such value to those people that they didn't even want people to ask about it. Don't even ask. It's not for sale. No. It's so important to me, it's not even for sale. 
And here's what I think. If we're going to move forward into all that God wants us to become as individuals, as families, and as the family of God, then we are going to have to label some things in our life not for sale. I won't compromise. I won't budge. Don't even ask. I ain't selling. Last weekend, my wife and I went out to Fort Myers Beach and had a getaway weekend, just the two of us. The kids went to Grandma and Grandpa's. We went to the beach. If you read my blog, you know I talked about it on there. Um... My wife was raised in, in and around ministry, and I've been around ministry for the last 15 or 16 years. And we have seen way too many ministry marriages get sacrificed on the altar of ministry. And so I want you guys to know, we're not going to do that. My marriage is not for sale. It's not. We have seen so many marriages just get devastated and destroyed because of the pressures and the, the, the difficulties of what it means to grow and pastor a, a thriving, life-giving church. And we've watched so many ministry couples just be devastated because, of, because they do what we do. And my wife and I have made a commitment that we will not sacrifice our marriage for the sake of ministry. Our marriage is not for sale. It's not. You know why? And my kids know this, man. I love that my four-year-old and my seven-year-old know. Mommy and daddy are on date night. Mommy and daddy are having a getaway weekend at the beach. I love that my kids know that. From an early age, they know mommy and daddy and their relationship is the primary priority in this home. My kids know that. You know why? Because if our marriage isn't strong, our home isn't strong. And if our marriage isn't strong, this church isn't strong. And that's why it's not for sale. It's not. It's not for sale. We've put a not for sale sign on our marriage. I'll be honest with you. I worry about the couples who haven't had a date night in years. I'm raising small kids, and I'm telling you, it's hard. Good golly, Miss Molly. I'm like fried. The end of the weekend, I'm like, it's time to go back to school. Again, if you didn't read, I had a couple of blog entries, mattkelleronline.com, or you can get this through nextlevelchurch.com. Track with that, because there were some things that I wrote on, on the blog this week that I'm so serious about. You've got to stick a not-for-sale sign on your marriage. You've got to stick a not-for-sale sign on your relationship with God. So here's a question. What are you trading your life for? What are you trading every 24 hours for? In fact, play a game. Look back over the last several 24-hour periods. What did you trade it for? 
Are you trading your life for what God wants you to be trading your life for? Here's a question. Are you taking time for the best? Are you, are you there taking time to sit at Jesus' feet? Have you made Him the priority? Because we will never move forward in the right direction like God wants us to. Unless we're pausing in those moments throughout our week to sit at His feet. Good will always challenge best. Here's a question for us this morning to ponder and to be challenged by. Is God the big rock of your life? Do you have the right big rocks in first? Some of us have jars and jars and jars and jars and jars full of pea gravel and sand, and we have no big rocks. You know what you got to do? You got to dump it all out. You got to get it on the table, and you got to scrape away the stuff that doesn't really matter because life is too short. Movement is everywhere. But only those of us who make a determination in our heart to strategically move forward in the right direction will become everything God wants us to become. What are your big rocks? And then what do you need to stick a not for sale sign on? Some couples right now, you're listening to this, you need to have a good hard conversation in the next 24 hours with each other. You need to dump it on the table. You need to get it raw and say, is our marriage everything God wants it to be in order to raise our kids effectively, in order to become who God wants us to become? Are we prioritizing and putting in the big rocks as a married couple together? Are we doing that? Some of us need to have a good conversation. Some of us need to sit down with an accountability partner or with our small group and say, you know what, I got some big rock issues. You know why? the clock is ticking and every day made another trade made another trade made another trade are we putting it in are we putting it in the order God wants it in because that's what moving forward is all about did you know that The Bible says that Jesus put a not-for-sale sign on us. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it actually records that the Apostle Paul's writing, and he, he says to us and to the people that he was writing to specifically, he said, do you not know that you were bought with a price? In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, did you realize that he paid the highest price for humanity? That we were separated from God, but when Jesus died on the cross, it's as if He said, you are of such value to me, I'm going to stick a not-for-sale sign on you. Boom! You are not for sale to the highest bidder. You are not for sale to anything else that the world has to offer. You are mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. I bought you with my blood. See, here's what I think. I think that some of us have come into this place today, and we're sitting here, and you got that thing going on in your stomach, and you're trying to look away, and you're trying not to listen. Tune back in for a second because here's what I think might be going on that God might be doing in your life right now. Some of us have ripped that sign off and we've thrown it in the drawer. Some of us have ripped that sign off and we've thrown it in the trash and tried to pretend that we weren't really bought with a price, that what Jesus did for us, I'll just, I'll just go do my life my way and do my thing and I'll just, I'll just, I, I, I just got to live my way. And Jesus right now is standing before you and he is saying to you, You're my son. You're my daughter. You can run. 
as fast as you can, but my legs are longer. My love is deeper. And I desperately, 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 desperately want relationship with you. I want to be able to stick that not for sale sign on your life again. Have you been running from God? Have you been trying to distance yourself from this whole deal? Maybe you had a bad experience with it and somebody who had one of these beat you with it. Can I tell you, on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But just because we were beaten with it doesn't mean that the words written in it aren't true. And that this Jesus, the Savior we talk about, my Savior lives, that we sing about, He loves you. And He wants desperately to stick that sign back on you and say, you're mine. You're mine. I purchased your life with my blood so that your sin could be forgiven and washed away. And you and I, can, all of us, can know what it is to have a relationship with God. Will you bow your heads just for a second? All across this room, in the stillness of this moment, I want to ask you, it's just, a, just such an powerful and important question. If you're here today and, and you've been running, you've been stretching out your legs, you've been trying to be as far distance from God as you possibly can be. But something is stirring in your heart and you're just going, you know what, I can't run anymore. I can't run that fast. I can't run that hard. I'm getting worn out. And the truth is, I'm not doing a very good job of navigating through my life anyway. If you're here today and you just need to acknowledge in your heart in the stillness of this moment that, Jesus, I need you to stick that sign back on me. That I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I belong to Jesus. I want to give you a chance to do that, to, to stop running, to turn back toward the cross and say, yes, Jesus. I give you my life. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you, you've done that, but again, you've wandered away from it. Either way, regardless of where you find yourself, whatever your spiritual condition, I want to take this moment right now and give you a chance to spin back to God and say, yes, put that sign on me. I'm, I, want to, I want to be in right relationship with you. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, will you simply just raise your hand all over this room? One, two, three, just as an expression. Awesome. Wow. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Great. Are there others? Great. Awesome. Come on, have courage. This is your moment. This is your moment with you and God where Jesus wipes away the stains. He wipes away the sin and he says, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're forgiven. You're forgiven of all of that. We'll deal with all of that. We just got to get you in right relationship. We just got to get you home. We got to get the sign on you so that nobody else or no thing in this world tries to steal you away. Are there others who just respond and say, that's me, that's me. Awesome, thank you, thank you. Father, across this room, you see so many hands that have been raised up this morning. Lord, we just, we just thank you, God, that you brought us to this place. Some of us can't even believe how crazy the circumstances have been to get us to this moment in time where we'll be sitting here right now. And Jesus, our uplifted hand is an expression of a greater thing that you're doing in our heart. Lord, we acknowledge right now, just seated right where we are, that we're tired of running. We're tired of the distance that exists between you and us. We're tired of playing games. And so, Lord, right now we come to you and we say, God, forgive us. 
Forgive us of our trespasses, our sins, our wrongdoing. That we might know what it is to be in relationship, right relationship with the loving God of the universe. In Jesus' name, and all across this room, everybody said, Amen. Amen.